Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Good to be in the house of God, to be able to worship Him and exalt His name. I mentioned last night my high respect for this college and all that it stands for and the way that through the years the faculty and administration here have stayed the course and stayed true to the Word of God and God has used those who have come through this school around the world to proclaim His name and build His church. And I know that as you complete your education here and move out toward ministry, God has a place for you and you can be effective in ministry and leadership as you commit yourself to Him and to His Word. I, uh, I have so much been privileged to be a part of uh, the board of uh, the, the board of the college here and to just be a small part in, in uh, affirming that we are going to stay that course and we're going to stay true to the word and, and uh, we're going to hold forth the uh, scripture and uh, keep to sound doctrine and see that uh, young people through years to come until Jesus comes have a place where they can turn and know that that solid foundation is there. Amen. Have a such a high regard for people that my wife and I consider some of our best friends, President Lednecki and his wife, and I know that God has laid upon their heart burdens to move in ministry elsewhere. They have done such an outstanding job in leadership here through the past 20 years, and, and God has made them a blessing to so many people, not only here at the college but around the world, and I know that he has great things for them. Also, I know that he has the full church in mind, and while they feel that their role is to be elsewhere, God has someone to step into this role of leadership, someone appointed by Him and led by the Holy Spirit that will move forward into the future, seeing this college be all that it can be for the glory of God. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, take it and stand with me and turn to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. The 8th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And you also might hold a finger there and locate the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. But from the eighth chapter of Luke's Gospel, I begin reading with verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. 
And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said unto them, It is given to you, or it is, it, it is he said un, unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which are for a while believe, and in a time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no, bring no fruit to perfection. But that on good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. In the fourth chapter of Mark's gospel, verse 26, and he said, So the kingdom of God, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And I want to speak to you this morning on the parable of the seed. Let's pray together that God would open our hearts. Lord, we look to you for that which is needed in this hour in the proclamation of the word. I stand, Lord, trusting that the Spirit of God will touch my mind and my heart and quicken my lips and allow me to speak with divine unction words that would be profitable to the hearer. I pray for young men and women here at the college who have set their heart to be preachers of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that they would make the word of God preeminent in their lives and that they would take it into their heart and that they would feed upon it and feast upon it so that they might be able to proclaim the truth of your word to others as they go forth in ministry. I pray, Lord, that during these hours that we share together that there will come a rich anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us all. Anoint my lips to speak, anoint our ears and hearts to hear and receive the word. And we give you the praise for all that is accomplished. In Christ's name, amen. The parable of the seed. 
all of life begins with seed. Whether plant life or animal life or human life or spiritual life, it originates with a seed. Conception is that moment of mystery when seed takes root and life begins. I know that the Schofield Bible and my Thompson Chain Bible refer to this as the parable of the sower and the soil. And even in Matthew 13, as Jesus introduced the parable, he said, Behold the parable of the sower. But then if you'll notice in the next five verses as he unfolded the parable, he does not once refer to the sower, but it's he that receiveth the seed, and he that receiveth the seed, he that receiveth the seed. And I have come to believe that one thing that he was telling us is that it's not the sower that's most important, it is the seed. If we focus on the sower and the soil, we'll miss the impact of the parable. Luke 8 and 11, in the unfolding of the parable, says this. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Too much time can be spent analyzing the sower and the soil. They're only important as in their relationship to the seed. It doesn't matter if the sower's left-handed or right-handed or if he's ambidextrous. The secret is not in the wrist. The secret is in the seed. The more I analyze the soil, I realize I can do nothing about the soil to change its nature. But if there if there is no seed, there's no harvest. The life is in the seed, and the seed is the Word of God. And that's why those of us who want to be messengers of the Almighty, we want to be proclaimers of the Word, we must remember that Paul, instructing a young preacher in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge both the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men shall not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But his admonition to those who would be engaged in ministry was, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. I know that this morning I take an approach as though I'm preaching to preachers. And I know that many of you are already taking assignments and preaching the gospel and others of you are hoping that somehow God opens doors of ministry to you. Hear the word of God as in Isaiah 55 and 10 
The Lord says, As for the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God does not confirm the word of Charles Crank. God does not confirm the word of individuals. He does not confirm the word of organizations. But God will confirm the preaching of his word with signs and wonders and miracles of his power. The three entities that we see in this parable are the sower and the soil and the seed. A sower went out to sow his seed. I, I noticed that it says a sower, not the sower. There's far too much emphasis today on personal charisma and human personality in today's ministry. And I know that we all minister within the framework of our own personality but it's unfortunate that in many circles today, who said it overshadows what is said. It's unfortunate that style seems to be more important than substance. I heard one pastor say of an evangelist that had come his way that he preached the sermon better the four nights that he announced it than he did the night when he preached it. We get caught up in titles and we get caught up in periphery things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. We live in a time and because of the exposure that some get in media, they become somehow superstars in the church world and people accept whatever they say. Hear me, it's not who says it, rather that it is whether or not God says it. That's what is important. If we look too long at the soil. We might understand, if we, if we look and analyze the soil, we might understand that this parable is not a study of soil, but rather it's a statement regarding the enemies of the seed. Analyze the soil all you want. You can't do anything to change the nature of the soil. God must do a work by His Spirit to change the nature of the soil and the human heart. My responsibility is to have a handful of seed, have a heart full of seed, have a message that is from God's Word. Certainly there are enemies in opposition to the preaching of the word. They that fell by the wayside, the devil immediately taketh the word. I know that some 
Some seem to think that believing in a devil is somewhat old-fashioned and out of step with the times. I just wonder if there is none who's carrying his work off because his work is evident everywhere. The truth is the scripture says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. So yes, the devil is there in opposition to the sowing of the word. Another opposition, the stony ground here, it's the depth of human nature or the lack of depth or the shallowness of human nature. You can see that in the entertainment field. Watch TV for very long and you find out that uh, the commercials can be more entertaining than the programs. Because of the shallowness and the depth, the lack of depth of human nature. The lack of reason and judgment that there is in our world today. The questions that have been raised over John Ashcroft's confirmation show the mindset of a host of people that are there in our nation and around our world. Lack of reason and judgment. Save the whales, but kill the babies. You know, it's just unthinkable that we've come to that point in our national life. The thorny ground, there's the enemy, the deceitfulness of life, the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. There's no sense of the eternal, but rather they've laid hold of things temporal. It's like the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And and Jesus told him, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. Jesus was saying, let go of the temporal things and lay hold of eternal things. And if you will do that, you will find eternal life. When the things of this world are held dear and the things uh, that are eternal are held in insignificance, you will never know the true hope that there is in Christ Jesus. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Those of us that serve the Lord might not be able to see with the natural eye all of the things that are hope in Christ, but it's like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For things which are seen are temporal, but things which are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. It's the one that sees the invisible and hears the inaudible that, and thinks the unthinkable that will be able to do the impossible in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must recognize that our role is not to cultivate the soil but rather to sow the seed. Now the parable is this. The seed 
is the word of God. Oh, the potential of seed. Someone said, you can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. The pulpit's not a showplace for skilled orators. Not in any means excusing ineptness, but rather the pulpit is a place where the word of God should be sounded forth. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We should all be concerned with the trivia that's called preaching in our day and time. It's rather like the new pastor in town that went in for his first haircut. The barber attended his church, and when the pastor started to pay, the barber said, Well, no, pastor, I won't charge you. I'll just take it out in preaching. The pastor stood a little erect and said, I want you to know I don't have any $10 sermons. The barber said, That's all right. I'll come a number of times. The woman seeking to know what a church believed asked the pastor, Pastor, what do you believe? He stood tall and said, I believe what my church believes. She said, oh, pastor, what does your church believe? He said, my church believes what I believe. She said, oh, pastor, what do you and your church believe? He said, we both believe the same things. He had much preaching. Today, there's no sense of announcement in what is said. There is no sense of anointing in what is seen. My heartbeat today is to share with you that would-be preachers of the gospel that the important thing is to lay hold of this book and fill your heart with it so that God can quicken your heart and your mind to be a proclaimer of the word of God. For the harvest is not something that the sower creates. The harvest, the harvest, the harvest can only come with, when there is seed sown. And the seed is the word of God. 2 Kings 22, young King Josiah comes to the throne and his father and his grandfather before him had corrupted Judah and they had gone waywardness and wayward and filled the land with ungodliness and Josiah set out to repair the house of the Lord and while they were repairing and rebuilding the house of the Lord, the high priest and the scribe found, the, the high priest said to the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. It had laid without use and without reading as, as Judah had followed ungodly kings. And, and the, the scribe took the book and read it to young king Josiah. And Josiah said, Great is the wrath of the Lord against us because our fathers have not hearkened to the words of this book. 
And King Josiah read to Judah all the words of the book and made a covenant with God. He said to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. Oh, it's time that we found this book and placed it within our hearts and made a commitment again. This will be my message and this will be my lifestyle and this is what it's all about. The seed is the word of God. In all of our rituals of worship, the book must not be lost. Isaiah 34 and 16 says, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read it. No one of these shall fail. Psalm 138, 2 said, For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. I enjoy an inspirational, uplifting song service as well as anyone. But we need be careful. In recent years, we've come to label that part of the service as worship. And the one who directs the leading of singing as the worship leader. Hear me. There is nothing more worshipful than gathering round the word of God and hearing what thus saith the Lord. And while music and singing is one component of a worship service, it's by no means the worship service. And I'm always suspect of those that can jump and shout and they can enter in so to the singing of choruses. But when it comes time for the preaching of the word, their hearts are turned cold and there's a lethargy there and their ears are not open. Hear me, there's nothing more worshipful than the proclamation of God's word. You know. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Oh, the power of the seed. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's the word of God that gives life, that breathes upon that which is dead and brings it to life. Ezekiel 37 and 7, there in the valley of dry bones I hear the prophet say, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And once what was a valley of dry bones became a mighty army because there was the proclamation of God's word we live in a world that's filled with darkness where will they find a ray of light Psalms 119 105 the entrance of thy word giveth light it giveth understanding to the simple Proverbs 6 and 23 for the commandment is a lamp the law is a light and the reproofs of instruction they are the way of life Psalms 119 130 the entrance of thy word giveth light it giveth understanding to the simple 
People are filled with mistakes and failures and sin and wonder where the cleansing stream and cleansing fountain is. Psalms 119 and 9, wherewith, shall, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. John 17 and 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 15 and 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Hear me, it's this book it's the word of God that is the answer to the problems that plague mankind certainly the devil's there to steal the word certainly there are the thorns and the cares of this life and the riches of this life that will combat the word but I tell you keep preaching keep preaching keep preaching the scripture tells us Paul in Ephesus faced all kinds of opposition but he held true to the word and the 19th chapter and the 20th verse says so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed hallelujah Glory, glory, hallelujah. My dad gave me this bit of advice. As a 16-year-old lad, I felt the call of God to preach the gospel. He said, Charles, build a preaching ministry and you'll always have a place of ministry. And I give you that word this morning. Build a preaching ministry. Other things are periphery. They might add to and accommodate the ministry of the word. But nothing can replace the preaching of the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 24, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat upon the house and it fell. But he that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I liken him unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat upon the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. The solid foundation for any life, the solid foundation for any ministry is God's word. Determine in your heart that you will be a preacher of the word of God, that you will hold true to the book. You might say, well, Brother Crank, I'm a youth pastor major. Hey, nobody needs preaching more than the young people of today. And... You might think this morning that you're going to be a youth pastor all your life. But there aren't many 45-year-old youth pastors. Somewhere along the line, their ministry takes a turn. They step into the pulpit as senior pastor. You need to be a preacher of the word. Two things I can assure you. Two things I can assure you this morning. There is no harvest without seed. There is no harvest without seed. The seed is the word of God. I'll show you a second thing. There will be a harvest. The Lord is coming back for a church 
that's spotless, without wrinkle, or any such thing, there's going to be a church victorious and triumphant for which he comes. There will be a harvest. The question is, what part will you have in it? If you make the word of God preeminent in your life and you seek to know this book and its author in a passionate way, and you instill this in your heart, you can be a sower of the seed who affects the harvest in a great way because you've sowed the seed of God's word. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. 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 I know that this morning I've preached to you as though I were preaching to preachers. And I feel that I am. While many of you have already started your preaching ministry, others of you hope to move into that arena of being a proclaimer of the Word of God. What I wanted to give emphasis to is that it's this book, it's this book, that we must expound to men. We must share with them its truths. For it's only this book that will answer the questions and the problems of life and build for all a solid foundation upon which they can build a life. And it's only this book upon which you can build, which can be a solid foundation for you to build a ministry. I hope that somehow I've stirred within your heart a passion to study diligently and as much as you can take within your heart the Word of God. After my dad's admonition to me, I was still in high school. I'd carry five cards a day with me to classes in school because dad would let me preach about once every week or two. I'd take five cards a day, three by five cards, and on one side I'd have the scripture, and on the other side I'd have the reference, the place where that scripture could be found in God's Word. And every day I would try to memorize five scriptures. I tell you, that has stood me well in the years of my ministry. I certainly can't even come close to quoting a major percentage of this book, but... I'm so thankful that hidden away in my heart there are those passages of God's Word. And you know, I might quote a poem and someone might get something out of that poem, but if I quote it next week, they'll say, oh, we heard that before. But you know, the Word of God, some of the scripture that I've quoted this morning, I've quoted it throughout my ministry and it hasn't changed. It's still as true today as it was when as a 16-year-old lad I placed it in my heart and memorized God's Word. And it'll be that way for you, for this book. It's not going to change. Psalms 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Isaiah 14.8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Matthew 24 and 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. 
1 Peter 1 and 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1 and 25, the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is, take the word of God. You don't have to follow a memorization pattern like I've mentioned, but make this book preeminent in your life. It's that message. It's that message that will give you an effective ministry and make you a blessing. Everyone that wants to be a preacher of the gospel, you feel a call of God to preach the gospel. I'd just like for you to come into this altar to commit yourself to say yes. That's the kind of preacher I want to be. A preacher who puts the word of God, who, who, who preaches the word of God without fear, without favor, recognizing their oppositions that are out there, but one that holds steady to the book. If you want to be that kind of preacher, you just step out and come and stand here at this altar. And we're just going to make that commitment and say, yes, that's what I want to do. And I hope that in making that commitment, you will put the word of God high, high, high make it preeminent in your life as your faculty instructs you and as you go to class from class to class that you'll recognize the significance of grasping the truths of the word and an ability to share them with, a, with an anointing of the Holy Spirit God, God bless, God bless look at this great group of young men and young ladies that want to be proclaimers of the word hallelujah Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we stand in your presence. Lord, we recognize that the seed is the word of God. Oh, God, help us this morning. Help us this morning to place in the highest place of our life the importance of your word. Help us to follow it. Study it, live by it, proclaim it. No, oh God, let there be an anointing that touched the lives of young men and young ladies today that stand here who desire to be a voice for God, a proclaimer of divine truth. Oh God, touch us with Holy Ghost anointing. Touch us with Holy Ghost anointing. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.